to many people, the subject of prayer is puzzling and confusing. And that is why many people get guilt-stricken when they hear a sermon on prayer, (laughs) because very few people ever feel good or confident about their prayer life. And consequently, they begin to feel guilt. Well, that's not what I want you to do today. I hope that is not what's going to happen. But what I hope what's going to happen is that you will come to biblical understanding of what prayer is all about. And today the Apostle John concludes his epistle that we have been looking at for some time now, entitled, Life at Its Best. And today he concludes it by clarifying, by crystallizing, by making very clear to us what prayer is all about. And he tells us two things. He tells us about confidence in prayer, and he tells us about privilege prayer. He tells us about having confidence in our prayer life. Very few people pray with confidence, and I'm going to explain to you why. You and I are familiar with how the term prayer is used in public, in people in general, or in the media particularly. When there is a crisis somewhere in the world or some problem or some difficulties, you hear people in the media talk about, well, you have our best wishes and prayers. (laughs) And um, I often wonder what they really mean by that. I think most times they really mean is a wishful thinking about the situation. What they really mean is an expression of a deep desire regarding that situation. Or wanting something to happen so badly and wishing it so hard that it may happen. Or sometimes they probably mean cajoling some sort of a heavenly entity, someone out there, to do something that they cannot do themselves. In fact, most people think of prayer the way my children and I used to play a game when they were little. Probably some of you have played that same game. You know, so when, they, when kids were really little, I would put the quarters in my hand. And i say, if you can pry my hand open, you'll get it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so they would sit in my lap, and they... Now the rule is, as soon as they pry one finger, it cannot be shut again. So they go... The open one. I made sure have the coins right there by my thumb. Because I knew they were going to start with the little finger. And then they call on somebody else to help them. Come and help me. I got the second finger open. They get the third one. And they keep working their way until they get to the coins. And then what happens, they take the coins, push your hand away, and run away with glee. (laughs) And that's fine. Because there are kids. And that's a game. But the problem is, there are some people, when they get into trouble, this is how they think prayer is. Many people do the same thing with God. God, help me pass my exam. God, help me pass my exam. Well, they pass their exam. And then they come back, and they run away, and they come back, and they say, Oh, God, help me find a job. Help me find a job. Help me find a job. And then they get the job. God, help me find a spouse. Help me find a spouse. 
God help me. Then they run away. Every time they want something from God, they work hard. They ask people to pray for them. They pray like they've never prayed before. And as soon as their prayers are answered, they push the hand away and they run with glee. Beloved, that is not what prayer is all about. So I want you to turn with me to what John said in chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Here's what John said. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. What's that confidence? That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Someone said, this is probably the Bible's most important statement on prayer. But do you know why? Because John the Apostle, who wrote the Gospel of John, heard with his own ears, and he recorded in John 14, 14, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, whatever you ask in my name, I'll grant it to you. Some people try to use this verse like they use the American Express gold card with no credit limit. God, give me this God, give me this God, give me this God, give me. It's a credit card. It's a gold card. And they ask for the wrong things. They ask with the wrong motive. They ask with the wrong spirit. They ask for selfish and self-serving things. And when their prayers are not answered, they said, where is God who said, ask in my name and I'll answer it? Verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Where does the confidence come from? Where does the confidence come from? Where does this boldness in prayer come from? Where does liberty in praying and talking to the Lord come from? I want you to listen carefully, please. It comes from a deep intimacy with God and His Word. It comes from deep knowledge of God and His Word. It comes from deep love for God, His Word, and His desire. It comes from deep commitment to the will of God in my life. It comes from a deep desire to obey God no matter what. It comes from a deep longing to please God. And in the presence of this deep longing, desire to please God, we find ourselves asking only for that which is in His will. The Scripture said, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you what? Desires of your heart. Now, I got news for you. I lived long enough to know that most people like to skip the first part. Delight yourself in the Lord. Actually, they wouldn't even mouth it. They go straight. God will give you the desires of your heart. Have you heard people like God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What comes first, the horse or the buggy? <laughs> right? The horse. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord. That if you don't delight yourself in the Lord, you have no right to expect God to grant you the desires of your heart. Listen carefully. Prayer is not wanting God to see things my way. Prayer is not extracting from God that which I want. Prayer is not cajoling God 
to do that which he's reluctant to do. No. Confidence in prayer means a friend speaking to a friend. In fact, the word that John uses here in the Greek, parousia, means to speak freely. Like a friend, just delighted in speaking to a friend, opening his or her heart to a friend. That's what it means. It means speaking to God in an unhampered way, in a relaxed way, in an open manner, sure with reverence, sure with respect, sure with submission. In fact, that word is repeated in the book of Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16. It says, we approach the throne of grace with confidence. Here's that parousia again. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. This confidence, listen to me, this confidence does not come out of arrogance, but because of His graciousness. This confidence, this is not because of who we are, what we think we did for God. No, 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 no. It's because of who He is and what He's done for us. Do you want to get your prayers answered? Then listen carefully. Answered prayer have everything to do with our desire to do the will of God. Answered prayer has everything to do with a childlike submission to the will of God. Answered prayer has everything to do with believing that His will for me... You see, most people are afraid of the will of God. They really are. They really are. And they don't want to know it because in case it's something they don't like. But prayer stems from a deep desire, an understanding that God's will for me is for my good and for His glory. Look at verse 15. When you submit to the will of God, as it's revealed in the Word of God, God doesn't only hear us, He answers us. Someone here may say, well, Michael, I know that I have prayed according to the will of God. And I know that I prayed according to the Word of God. I did not pray anything contrary to God's Word. And I know that I prayed for the glory of God. But my prayers have not been answered. And I've been praying for a long time. I'm still waiting for an answer. I've been there, and I'm going to testify about this at the very end of the message. So stay tuned. Here's what you need to know. God does not have a box on His desk entitled pending. If your prayer is according to the will of God, if your prayer is according to the Word of God, if your prayer is according to the glory of God, God already answered it. You say, wait a minute, Michael. Wait a minute. Wait wait, 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 wait a minute. What do you mean? You're arguing with me? You're telling me that God answered? He has not answered it. Yes, He did. He did not. Yes, He did. He did not. Well, yes, he did. Well, I don't want to be argumentative with you. (laughs) But the fact that you have not seen it and experienced it, it doesn't mean he had not answered it. You say, well, wait wait a minute. Where do you get that? Ah, from the Word of God. (laughs) In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, I'm going to show you and I'm going to prove to you that when you pray according to the will of God and when you pray consistent with the Word of God, God already answered your prayer, although you might not have experienced it yet. Although you might not seen it with your eyes yet. But God had answered. 
In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, God reveals His will to Daniel. Now, this is not you and me say, well, I feel this is according to the will of God, and you know how feelings are so untrustworthy in many ways, but this is not, not even a 1% shadow of doubt. This is revealed, God appeared to him, and he told him, okay? <laughs> There's no doubt on this one. So, Daniel, on the strength of that revealed will of God, he goes into prayer and fasting and mourning and humbling himself before God. And he prays, and he prays, and he fasts. For how long? Three weeks. He gave himself totally to praying according to the revealed will of God. First day, nothing happened. He prays again, cries to the Lord, Lord, you told me. Nothing happened. Third day, nothing happened. Fourth day, nothing happened. End of the week, God, you promised me, and I'm praying on the strength of that revealed will that you have given me. Second week, whatever happened, Lord, I've been praying. Third week, a messenger from the Lord appears to him. Now, remember, Daniel was praying for the revealed will of God, what he already knows God wanted. And so, in chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, a messenger from the Lord appears to him, and here's what he said. Listen carefully. Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard. That's another word for being answered. Sometimes in Hebrew language we say heard meaning answered. And I have come in response to them. Oh, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. When did the answer to Daniel's prayer take place? Immediately. First day, you're right. When did Daniel experience that answer to prayer? Three weeks later. <laughs> and the reason given here, sometimes we don't have reasons, sometimes we have reasons. But the reason's clearly given here that the head demon that is in charge of the Persian kingdom was creating havoc in the heavenly places. So it's already been answered, has not been experienced for three weeks. Beloved, let me tell you something. It is not arbitrary that the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6.12 that our struggle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Prayer is dependent on the willingness of the person who's praying. Willingness to do what? Willingness to do spiritual battles. Willingness to do spiritual war. Willingness to align your life with the will of God. Pray, tell me, how can you pray the will of God in your life when you are living outside of the will of God in your life? Pray, tell me, how can you pray the will of God in your life when your life is contrary to the Word of God? In fact, the Bible gives us at least six reasons why our prayers are not answered. Listen to me. There may be more, but I can only find six. And if you find more, let me know. 
and I'm going to give them to you very quickly. First, according to 1 Peter 3, 7, marriage relationship that's out of kilter can hinder answer to prayer. Secondly, according to Matthew 5, 23, knowingly offending someone, you notice that? Knowingly offending someone will hinder answer to prayer. Thirdly, according to Matthew 6, 14, unforgiveness will hinder answers to your prayer. Fourthly, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, lack of stewardship, unfaithfulness with the stewardship that God placed in your hand will hinder answers to prayer. Fifth, in 1 Samuel 5, 22, deliberate disobedience can hinder answers to prayer. And number six, in Psalm 66, verse 18, cherished sin, hoarded sin, unconfessed sin will hinder answers to your prayer. And that is why after John tells us about confidence in prayer, he goes on to tell us how to pray. How to pray. Secondly, verse 16 and 17, he said that you need to pray for the brother or the sister in Christ who is caught in sin. Not to gossip about them, to pray for them. Earnestly pray for them. Not to talk about their sin with other people, but to intercede on their behalf. But what is that sin that leads to death? (laughs) The very purpose of the whole epistle will lead us to think that the sin that leads to death, in the context of the whole epistle, the one thing that has been repeated over and over and over again, that no one can have eternal life if they do not believe that Jesus and Jesus alone is the way to the Father. That no one can have eternal life in heaven unless they believe that Jesus, through His death and resurrection, made it possible for you and me to go to heaven. That's the whole point of the passage. And that was the sin of the Gnostics, the sin that John was fighting and trying to warn the Christians from it. And beloved, that's the sin of the church today. Oodles of churches have abandoned the truth that Jesus came from heaven to die and rise again so that He and He alone can give eternal life. That's the bottom line. And that's the sin that leads to death. When you comprehend the privilege and the responsibility of praying for other believers, for other Christians, when you comprehend the privilege and the responsibility of praying for those who are seeking God and don't know how to find Him, when you comprehend the privilege and the responsibility of praying for that which brings glory to the Lord, when you understand that as you persist in prayer according to His will, that He has already answered the prayer, even though you have not experienced that answer yet, even though you have not seen it with your eyes yet, but you'll be here patiently waiting for His answer. I told you I want to testify to you about my own prayer life from my personal experience. There were several big moments in my life, big issues in my life. The world can look at them and say it's impossible. And if people knew what I was praying for, they would say that my sanity has left me. But I knew I was praying according to the will of God. 
at least as I'm able to discern it in my spirit. I knew I was praying consistently with the Word of God. And I knew that I was not praying for self-serving prayers, but for the glory of God. And I knew that. I knew that I must persist in prayer. And yet, between the time that God had answered those prayers and the time that I have experienced answer to prayers can be measured not in weeks, but in years. One time, it was 18 months. Another time, it was three years. Another time, it was six years. Between the time I knew that God had answered my prayer and the time I've experienced it. What happened to me during that time? What happened to me during the time of waiting? Well, like Daniel, when I was persistent in prayer, well, I grew more like Christ. I grew in my dependence on Christ. I grew in my love for Christ. I grew in my total reliance on Christ. Oh, but listen, let me just tell you the good stuff. Let me also tell you that many times I was tempted to give up praying. Oh, I can't even count them. That many times when I was tempted to give up in my persistence in prayer, the many times that I was tempted to give up waiting to experience the answer to my prayer. But the grace of God sustained me, and I know that He will sustain you. Finally, John says, stay away from idols. <laughs> you know, he just comes in this text, this last sentence there. He's closing and say goodbye. He says, stay away from idols. <laughs> He's always sticking that thing in there. Does it make sense? Yes, it does. Listen carefully. You see, an idol is anybody, could be a person or persons or a thing that occupies the top place in your heart. Only you know this as much as I know that for me. That's an idol. Anything or anybody It could be the nearest and the dearest to you that is occupying the center place. God doesn't like to share that with anybody. That's an idol. And as long as there is an idol or multiple idols occupying that place, you're not going to experience an answer to your prayer, even though they might be answered in heaven. So give them up. And oh, please... Don't give them up temporarily so you can get your prayers answered. (laughs) Give them up permanently. Give them up for good. Surrender them to the Lord. And maybe some of you who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never been born again. You've never invited Him to give you eternal life. Today you can say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I receive you as my Savior. I accept what you did on that cross to be done for me in order to give me eternal life today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up every heart who's here. Father, your word is so powerful, and you have touched hearts and lives, some for conviction and some for encouragement, but we know your Holy Spirit is working in Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.